the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host Paul Spain and great to have Stephen Phillips joining the show again today. Stephen, how are you? Very good, thanks Paul. Excellent, excellent. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big, wide world of technology in New Zealand. Yep, I've been in Tech New Zealand for uh, more than 30 years, mostly in the security and telecommunications sort of uh, spaces. Uh, currently work for a company called Sneak. Um, Sneak's um, all about actually helping software people actually build securely and fast. Excellent. Well, look forward to diving in and get a little bit of an update on what's happening in the world of Sneak later on in the show. Uh, but we've got a bunch of New Zealand and global topics we want to delve into. Um, first up, just doing some you know back of the envelope calculations on information that we've we've had released about our cell towers in New Zealand. Uh, and my quick answer was we've got over three billion dollars worth of cell tower business, I guess you could put it, in, in New Zealand. Uh, we've had news through from Vodafone, $1.7 billion for their tower company, uh, $1.1 billion for Sparks, of, of which Spark sold off $700 million worth. And then, of course, you've got two degrees who are at this stage are holding on to uh, you know their, their tower assets. And when you look at these sales, it's, it's not just the infrastructure, it's also a commitment from uh, Spark and from you know Vodafone uh, to these uh, the firms that are that are buying their uh, their tower infrastructure the you know the land they're probably on and leases and all that sort of stuff um, the the physical towers uh, so yeah some some pretty big numbers right what what do you make of the the size of these sales when when you know I was just looking through some of the numbers and you know a very a very quick look, we saw, uh, you know, half of Vodafone being bought by Infratel going back, what must be about three years ago now, and they they were paying around a billion dollars for a fifty percent stake in Vodafone. Uh, now now we're seeing, you know, just the the tower part of Vodafone uh, New Zealand uh, being being valued at one point seven. Uh, billion, so I, th- I find it quite fascinating. Yeah, I think think some of these classes of assets um, are probably at the time were underappreciated. But if if you, you know, cast your mind back further to um, uh, going back 15, 20 years, there was a whole lot of players um, putting fibre all around the place, and in the end, it turned out to be too capital intensive, and uh, the government stepped in because they could see that this was a strategic sort of asset. And I think some of these um, uh, asset ownership companies that this is being si- uh, sold off to have have realised basically that there's actually value in owning these assets in the long term. And at the same time, you've got the um, service providers like your Sparks, your Two Degreeses, uh, and Vodafone, who, who are trying to actually make their balance sheets actually less capital intensive, so that they can focus basically in using their using their um, investment uh, to create basically more profitability, so it, it helps take things off off the actual balance sheet. So I think that's probably what's going on here. And uh, long-term asset companies who want really you know steady, stable uh, return on their assets, you know, there's going to be no time in New Zealand history going forward where uh, a, a cell provider infrastructure is not going to be required so it's you know it's not going to be retired i don't think we're going to see it go up into space or anything like that so it's a really good long-term asset yeah look i i think we're going to need cell cell towers obviously you know there there certainly is stuff happening from a, a satellite connectivity perspective but looking you know 20 plus years out that, that's pretty hard to do on any sort of technology and 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 telecommunications Fibre, you know, maybe a different one. I mean, it, it's so, I, I guess, future-proof, and just in terms of its reliability and its performance and its scalability, uh, you know, that infrastructure. And yeah, anyone that listens to the show knows, I, you know, I I think that's that's you know one of the best things that yeah. uh, that that New Zealand's you know ever done is is the investment to put fibre 
uh, in the ground. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to need cell towers for, for a long time to come. How it sort of plays out over time and what the complexities might look like or the sort of exclusivities are as well in terms of you know, two degrees wants wants more more coverage. They already have you know varying things in place behind the scenes, for instance, or if there were ever to be another player come into the market, uh, having this infrastructure you know owned separately and and how that how that looks. Um, I think there's probably some interesting things to to delve into there. It would be fascinating to uh, to have a look at these these agreements and uh, and to see some of the fine print. I'm not I'm not sure that's going to happen, but uh, yeah, 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 it'd be very interesting. Certainly, as we move to things like six, you know, six generation or you know, five G, six G, the more of of this type of um, infrastructure is going to be required because uh, you need it for faster processing. It's got to be closer to the cars and and, and the likes. Um, so yeah. Uh, good investment, I think, for them. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I, I looked at some some multiples, uh, and I mean, it did look like quite a long a long payoff if you look at sort of the numbers, you know, what the numbers might be today. But if you look uh, you know, longer term, and you know, I'm sure there's there's all sorts of things built into what these cost structures how they will uh, grow over time and, and what the return is. And um, maybe it's a really good investment, although it did catch my uh, attention that there was uh, a Canadian uh, teacher's um, pension fund. Pension, pension yeah. fund uh, yeah, yeah. that was investing. And I think, in fact, the same, same one that had bought uh, Yellow, what was Yellow Pages off, uh, off Telecom back in the day, I think about 15 years ago. Yep. And uh, that didn't end up being a very astute, investment um so anyway prob- probably not new zealand's uh, issue how that plays out um for uh, for yeah an offshore um non-new zealand investment fund i suppose in fact the more we can get for an asset if we're selling it off internationally the uh, the better in some ways yeah absolutely so there you go let, let, let's see how that plays out uh now we saw coverage that uh, Europe, uh, the European Union, are looking to put in um, speed limits on all new cars, and you know an ability to uh, you know control this so that drivers effectively have to you know have to behave. And so f- this got me thinking about what would the New Zealand angle on that on that be. And I've just just been, you know, on a bit of a bit of a road trip and uh, putting the uh, Tesla autopilot sort of, you know, through its paces, comparing where it is now to where it was um, you know, three years ago when when I was you know, first able to, to, you know, go on a reasonable uh, road trip out of uh, out of the city a few days you know, away and, and testing the technology it's certainly come a long way. One of the uh, the pieces of technology that's been added in through software updates to Tesla over that time, um, you know, is the ability to read uh, speed signs, and that works reasonably well. And uh, so my my understanding is that uh, look, if you know if this happens in one place, it could you know the world often tends to follow, right? Uh, so how would how would Kiwis feel about that? I think. Probably all of us want to see a road toll come down. Yeah. But then on the flip side, we like to have a little bit of a little bit of freedom, right? Yeah. And look, I you know, there was there was some vehicles that I overtook today, and when you put the pedal down on an electric vehicle, um, you can move pretty swiftly. And uh, I probably wasn't looking so much at uh, at the odometer, um, but uh, my son tells me that I, I went a little bit. A little bit faster than what might be sort of you know five k's over the uh, over the speed limit in this particular um, you know overtaking uh, scenario. So yeah, are we gonna are we gonna lose all of that? And should we? What do you think? I think there's a lot of factors and math that needs to be <laughs> looked at because you know sometimes um, accelerating quickly can get you out of an accident, but uh, certainly you know sustained sort of um, speed well over the speed limit. It's probably something that should 
should be regulated against and and enforce enforceable through systems. Uh, I think whoever's going to be doing this is going to need to make sure they actually get it right because um, you don't want to get this wrong because people's lives are on the line. Yeah, look, I, yeah, that's, that's probably probably a, a fair a fair approach. And they talk about twenty five thousand people um, being killed on European roads each year. Uh, obviously, our population's a lot smaller, so it, it you know, uh, I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, but it's you know, it's tended to be probably one point something you know people per day. Global, yeah, if you uh, if you worked out how many people die on New Zealand roads, which is you know, that's 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 a lot of families getting impacted, and we now have that target in New Zealand of getting it down to to zero. zero and yeah. I think, well, um, some of these things you might never necessarily get down to zero, but if we look at uh, autonomous driving and you know, better and better, smarter and safer technology, it can all play together, and so. Yeah, maybe this is one of one of those things, but yep. you've got to get that balance right yeah. so that incremental gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's good. Yeah, that's, I I like that thinking around. Yeah, if someone's sort of sustained driving at a at a crazy speed, then at some point, um, yeah. yeah, having having the technology able to control that. What happens when it's the prime minister's motorcade? Well, I, I talked to a prior uh, prime minister um, who used to go very fast up my road, and oh, okay. uh, and um, I, I had that conversation with her in the plane. And um, very shortly after, basically, they never came up our road anymore, but they still got caught down in Timaru. So <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting. Well, the, 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 there you go. Okay. Um, so yeah, maybe there will there will be ways to uh, to. To override these things, I'd be curious if anyone's got any any thoughts. Uh, you know, there, there there is that balancing act that we uh, that that we need, isn't there? When it uh, yeah. when it, you know when it comes to these these sorts of uh, these sorts of things. Uh, now, um, on the, also on the local front, I saw that uh, New Zealand startup called Auth Signal. Uh, has been featured on Product Hunt today, uh, and for for those that uh, those that don't know, um, Product Hunt basically is a is a website where every day new new software uh, is is featured, and uh, you go in and kind of you know support the things that you like and and give them upvotes and so on, and so you can see what the you know the top software is for the day, and it, it's a it's a really handy. Uh, little site if you are trying to promote some new software uh, or signal sort of yeah, caught my attention because it's a it's a New Zealand um, startup and uh, I'll, I'll read what uh, Justin um, song uh, and I'm I hope I've pronounced his name reasonably correct we maybe we have to get him on the show at some stage but he says my name is Justin on my first day of my last job I walked into my office hoping to greet it, be greeted with high fives and fist pumps um, after my company's first big fundraise. I got the opposite. I walked into a burning fire where my company, uh, FinTech, uh, didn't realise they had been credential stuffed for three months straight. Uh, just as I was walking through the door, they were facing the onslaught uh, of account takeovers. I spent the next three years learning about the world of scale-ups and uh, how it creates a big target for fraud uh, so uh, uh, quite fascinating I'm not sure whether uh, that particular um, fintech and uh, I'm not going to mention any names uh, did, I was curious and had a little bit of a look on uh, LinkedIn uh, with a, a, where they were going to get that uh, that attention but uh, but there you go um, but all signal looks like a uh, you know a pretty uh, handy tool for software developers and enabling, um, you know, their their uh, sign-ons to be done, uh, you know, without passwords, or you know, basically handling the authentication piece, and also uh, you know tracking activity around those sign-ins. Where are people signing in from, and and so on, and I guess an ability to uh, you know have some analytics around that that stuff. Uh, which, yeah, often uh, I guess uh, 
software vendors might uh, might find some of these things out uh, out later. So looks like a good idea. Yeah, um, certainly you know, authentication is absolutely key to all modern sort of uh, software. And uh, you know, some research that came out in December last year, um, you know, ninety percent of uh, all, all of the banks, all of the crypto exchanges, all of the fintechs have actually got broken authentication in this space. So there's a lot of organizations now in the race to solve this problem. You've got you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, all trying to move to the passwordless. Um, you've got other players in New Zealand like Matter uh, who, who have been trying to solve the distributed authentication problem. Um, but this is this is really, really big, and it's a great market to get into, and I really, really hope that they're able to actually you know, crack some unique advantage um, to to be able to sort of you know take take something Kiwi to the world, yeah. Well, it's always good uh, good you know seeing Kiwi firms uh, you know out there doing doing innovative things, and yeah, certainly hope that uh, uh, that what they're onto is uh, is very very good. And um, you know if it is, no doubt we'll we'll start winning some uh, uh, some export revenue. Looks like they've got a free tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was up to a thousand logins. Uh, and then you know paid tier and uh, yeah it seems seem, seems like a you know reasonably affordable product. Yep. Um, probably they're in a reasonably early stage, so mm-hmm. I guess um, yeah it'd be it'd be very interesting to uh, to to look at you know what hoops and things that they're jumping through. Yeah, because uh, early stage for startups is is often uh, you know it can be quite challenging in terms of actually being you know super secure, but when you're Offering an authentication product, you, yeah, you, uh, you, you need, got to get you need, it right. You need to put a lot of effort into that stuff. So, uh, yeah. um, no doubt they've been they've been working pretty hard on uh, yeah. on on that uh, on that front. But yeah, great to have New Zealand firms working in this in this yeah. space. Yeah, and yeah, very brave taking that product led growth. And you know, it's taken you know, takes some companies about five years or so until they actually start getting into the into the big revenues sort of coming in. So you've really got to have a lot of confidence and. But, you know the problem you're solving is is uh, worth solving. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, let's uh, let's see how they go. Now on the uh, the international uh, front, was reading about a uh, a tracking bracelet um, being given, uh, and these are sort of wristband bracelets uh, being given uh, to Beijing residents to be worn. 24 hours a day, seven days uh, straight, um, being issued to um, some returning uh, domestic uh, travellers in the northern um, northern uh, Beijing uh, residential district, and then this being basically uh, internet connected and providing a whole lot of data back to authorities, body temperature. Um, and and so on. Um, the app itself having access to f- phone location, camera, microphone. Um, and this was according to to state sponsored media in in China. So this wasn't sort of some whistle whistleblower. Um, so yeah, just just quite um, fascinating. And um, with technology that's. Um, uh, developed by um, Beijing Microtech uh, Sensing Technology, which is backed by Tencent, uh, and they seem to be getting uh, be getting a, a, a bit of pushback, a bit of backlash um, on uh, on Weibo in uh, in in China. Um, not not surprising, I would have I would have thought. You start giving people uh, making them feel like prisoners, wearing you know anklets, and yet tracking more than a than a Prisoner anklet actually uh, tracks. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of kind of mind blowing. But you understand that China has had this, you know, this continued elimination strategy, right? So of course you're going to look to technology to help. Yeah, um, I think I think I think they're probably right. You know, having more signals into how how basically you know disease spreads and early early warnings. I can see that actually being an advantage. You know. I can't say that having a health tracking device basically is a is a bad thing because you know I, I use one all of the time and I'm just you know, hoping that uh, the uh, companies where all my data is going basically have got it under control. But uh, I think Chinese residents are probably a little bit uh, sort of um, 
shaky about this at the moment because you know, just in the last week or so, there's been you know more than a billion uh, records records basically sort of uh, gone gone somewhere that it shouldn't they shouldn't have. So yeah, maybe maybe about the Chinese residents yeah, getting, uh, maybe getting, they getting do let loose. Yeah, maybe they do have a reason to actually be uh, be concerned. So yeah, it's it's all about actually how well the um, the, the data custodians actually look after it. Yeah, and and yeah, how does how does it get stored? Is it anonymized? Are they are they using it to you know, pinpoint individuals and then and then you know slap extra controls on on those who are you know yep. their body temperatures risen too much and you know all sorts of things. It it can it can definitely look and feel pretty pretty big brother. That said, we've you know we've heard that um, you know uh, the you know previous surveys of um, Chinese residents seem to indicate that that most are pretty happy with the incredible level of surveillance and cameras in, in some parts of the country. Yeah, uh, that feeling that it keeps them keeps them safer. Yeah. Uh, I guess you sort of feel that way unless until the cameras sort of. You know, pointing onto your property or into your front window, or you yeah. know, until that uh, that thing that's tracking is mm. is around your ankle or around your your wrist, right? Like it's uh, you yeah. know, there are, there are upsides overall yeah. if the data is kept secure, if it's used in a, a lot of reasonable ifs. and respectable yeah. way, and that's that's the challenge that that we have, and we've seen that. Yeah, private organisation, neither private organisations or governments can be, you know, entirely trusted when it comes to uh, yeah. when it comes to, to data. It's it's just just a really really hard thing to do to keep things Correct. secure. Yeah, just two weeks ago I was at KawaiCon and uh, the people who put together their My COVID app uh, went through all of the process they went through to actually make sure that people's personal identifiable information was uh, properly properly uh, looked after and so that, you know I, I felt confident that the New Zealand government had had this sort of under control yeah look I think that was that was an example where everything that we were told at the time was you know it gave me confidence right you know yeah. I went in varying media and you know yeah. and said look based on what we've been told yep this is this is not something where you're where you're being spied, you know, where you're being spied on. Correct. And uh, you know, if you can get if you can get that piece right, then we get the the good confidence. Outcomes. But yeah, then good adoption. I think there's that yeah. there's that temptation to maybe not, uh, you know, put such yeah. kind systems in place, uh, shall we say? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely a journey, and I think we do need to keep asking. Um, you know, asking the hard questions and you know, demanding you know, governments and and businesses yeah. do uh, do good things. Um, what are you wearing? Is it a Fitbit? Is it a? Oh, it's a Garmin. Garmin. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Now uh, on to other news. Um, WordPress is a you know is a platform that's had massive, absolutely you know incredible uh, mm. su success in terms of being you know the tool that such a, a big percentage of websites uh you know are built on top of in 2022 and it, and it you know has been for for a long time now i was reading that a uh, a dodgy buggy wordpress plugin that allows a complete website uh takeover was um was was found um, some months ago, and yet loads and loads of websites are uh, are still running this, and uh, and are getting uh, and are getting um, hit. Uh, reading that, so this is the uh, WP Bakery um, page builder add-ons, um, and yeah, basically, if a cyber criminal hits your site, they can uh, basically upload malicious uh, JavaScript files and maybe, you know, take over your website. So not a really good uh, position to be in, but it's it's a reminder of, of the need to, you know, really maintain and secure all infrastructure that an organization or, you know, even an individual 
uh, run runs and operates. And uh, you know, we've got now got this situation where um, you know there, there there's just a you know, a big chunk of websites out there uh, that are open to attack because they're not being you know properly looked after and they've they've left this dodgy uh, you know plugin on them. Yeah, well, it could be you know, as high as a third of all the websites in the world type of thing, right? But it, it's a lot there. But it's crazy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, you know, the software libraries that all of these systems sort of work on are all dependent on you know developers actually keeping their um, their code up to date. And, and when they don't do that or they deprecate it and move on to the next big project, um, these, these sort of things happen. There's nobody to actually go back and maintain the old software. So it's it's a Thing that you know, all companies, you know, small, large enterprises, governments, all need to be very aware of uh, aware of this. Yeah, and I, yeah, I've, I'm not sure we're getting this stuff right just just no. yet. And certainly, <laughs> uh, from from the audits that um, you know, my team at Gorilla do of you know, predominantly sort of smaller to medium organisations in in New Zealand. We we just see you know such a, a broad range of of issues, and you know often websites are the, the last thing actually you know especially with smaller businesses that an outsourced IT provider might be involved in in house staff aren't necessarily going to have any knowledge. Correct. Uh, it'll just be oh no that's looked after by our web designer. Well, yeah. You know, sorry, but. It's not usually a credential that you need to have as a web designer, uh, as any sort of expertise yep. in in cybersecurity. You know, for for better or for worse, it's just kind of how it is. People, you know, they're going to focus on on yep. on what they do. So, uh, you know, probably a little bit of a nudge there to uh, uh, anyone that that's uh, listening and uh, see sees an opportunity. It's uh, you know, there, there's. There, there is uh, more work to be done. And look, I, I think, you know, IT uh, providers that look after small to medium business mm-hmm. need to be stepping back and taking that sort of big picture view and and yep. not just saying, oh, well, you know, my client gave me, you know, this mandate to look after this small area. Yep. Somebody needs to be, you know, giving them a nudge and saying, yeah. you know, hold on, you've got a security issue over here yeah. uh, that needs to be needs to be looked after. Um, and look, full credit to any and all web designers who and and web firms who are onto it enough to um, to look after cybersecurity. But it's it's not necessarily the the yeah. the top uh, you know focus. Top of there. mind. There are there yeah. are some absolutely, which is great. But yeah. we need to be we need to be well aware of uh, of these these sorts of issues. Yeah, even like clubs, basically, in the last week in New Zealand, um, club websites uh, that take payments, basically, for memberships, all those types of things. Um, Polly, the payment provider in that space, has had to take its uh, plugins sort of offline this week in New Zealand. So, you know, uh, clubs, uh, people running e-commerce shops, all those types of things have these types of problems all the time. You've got to actually have a professional sort of uh, managed service to do that because, as you say, the web Web designers basically aren't across this sort of level of detail, and you know, businesses want reliable services for their, um, you know, for their members and customers to use. Mm-hmm. And you know, you should be able to have have these things sort of looked after in a in a trustworthy manner. Um, now, another uh, thing that, uh, that that caught my attention. This is a bit of a different angle. Um, but it's been reported by by CNN and and others in recent weeks around um, Japan making online um, insults uh, punishable by prison time. This is not just sort of twenty four forty eight hours, um, but uh, talking talking about uh, you know one one year. So that's yeah, it's a, a reasonable sort of size. Uh, chunk to to get for making an online insult and yeah I I again this is one of those things that I find is uh, really fascinating and it's really hard how do you get the sort of the balance, balance. right of giving yeah. a level of free speech and not having everybody getting uh, you know feeling hurt by every little comment that gets uh, 
that gets made online. Um, I'm hoping I haven't offended anybody with my comments about web designers, and I'm not. I'm not in Japan, so. Um, but we've got our own rules here in New Zealand. So you know how you get that sort of you know right balance in terms of the the things that are said, and then you know what is the appropriate way for uh, laws to respond to whether it's a tweet or something you know written written somewhere and of course we've had defamation rules for you know, for a very long a very long time what technology and social media has opened up is the ability for anybody anytime uh, you know to throw a comment out there which which you know in in years years gone by you know, wouldn't have happened in the same way and there is that I guess that aspect online of certainly for some people of throwing, you know, throwing throwing out comments without really thinking about the fact there's an individual yeah, at the other end. Yeah. Uh, that's that's actually you know got got to deal with with that, and so we see things that are yeah. you know, completely different in terms of you know what lands than than what might happen if you were face to face with that individual. Are we going in the right direction on this stuff from from your you know perspective with putting some some structure in place and some penalties? St- I, I think this is a, this is a good move. Um, you know, I, I think you know, the legal framework needs to needs to evolve in this space, um, both for how individuals communicate. This is just a different media that uh, lends itself to people actually hiding behind anonymity and the likes. Um, uh, so, so that needs to be changed. So the whole, um, you know, the, the the power sort of balance between um, somebody making these types of comments and somebody being able to actually protect themselves from those comments is is very different uh, through the use of technology. So I think there needs to be an evolution of the law about you know, how you communicate, but I think there also needs to be some something on the actual service providers to actually help detect when these things are going wrong because anonymity is the problem, right? So you've got to find the balance, basically, of that and then figuring out where's the line, um, how much control is too much control. Mm. So I think it's going to take take uh, take us probably a decade or more to actually try and get some of these things right. Yeah, yeah we, are on, we are on this ongoing uh, journey. Now, in some countries we've we've seen you know variations there was one uh, case in the US uh, Michelle Carter who was a Massachusetts woman who was convicted of uh, involuntary manslaughter because over a text message over an SMS she um, encouraged her, her boyfriend Conrad Roy yeah. um, you know to to commit suicide you know really really sad um, you know so, Situation, and um, you know, she she was released from prison. Now, I think uh, about two two and a half uh, two and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that's an example of of the extremities of what can happen through. This one was via text, but it it could have been a tweet, yeah, any or, channel, right? Or yeah. yeah, or anything else. So sometimes. The traditional laws actually, you know, will apply Correct. Uh, to a scenario. I mean, that one, I, you know, I think was at the was at the very extreme end. The fact that, you know, existing legislation was able to uh, was cover. able to was able to cover it. Yeah. But how you get that how you get that right sort of balance, um, boy, I th- I think you know, there there probably is no no perfection. You know, as, as probably is the case with with most laws today, there'll be you know some yeah. people that maybe should be convicted of things that you know manage to not be. Whether it's you know police yeah. stuff something up or there isn't you know the right amount of evidence and 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 kind of vice versa. Right? Correct, and the police find it very difficult to to act when they don't actually have all of the details and the full context, and that's difficult today with the current state of systems. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've we've seen uh, crypto and having a pretty hard, you know hard time over over the you know la- last you know couple of months or so the the term crypto winter being sort of thrown around. Uh, you've had Bill Gates sort of calling it a, a Ponzi scheme. Um, I see uh, China who you know they've got their own stuff going on as far as. Uh, 
you know, blockchain and uh, you know, currency and and so on, but generally uh, also uh, slamming crypto as as a bit of a uh, Ponzi scheme. It, I I mean, I find it fascinating because on you know on one side you've got some some very very talented and and successful and innovative you know people that have been you know driving things forward in terms of crypto web3 uh, nfts all, yeah. all these uh, things and and uh, you know a lot of money that's been that's been thrown into them um, of course prices can't keep going up forever it's a little bit like our property here in New Zealand <laughs> yeah. you know we've seen it going up and up and up and uh, you know there's been that sort of expectation that well that's what the past X decade shows us so you can keep throwing your money in it's going to keep you know uh, you know um, keep going up you know much much faster than inflation and 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 so on um, and yeah sometimes these things don't don't necessarily stack up uh, so yeah that's been interesting and then Alongside it, you you were mentioning a um, uh, a security audit company that uh, has actually been adding up some of the some of the losses um, when it comes to uh, the the blockchain world from varying hacks and and so on. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about about that that aspect of it? Because it, it's certainly been this idea of yeah, the individual being their own bank had had some things to like about it, but the the security aspects uh, to to me have been you know the the concerning piece that there's still uh, there's there's still a way to go till we we find a, a a good place, and I mean we still see so you know so many people being being sucked into varying uh, you know scams and so on online, and uh, in in the blockchain world you know those that get sucked in. Uh, you know, sometimes it's it's much much faster and much uh, uh, bigger bigger sums can be involved, right? Yeah. So you know, with the blockchain technology, you know, the fundamental idea of having an immutable ledger that's you know auditable of you know, this this value moved from this party to this party is, is absolutely great. But it's a the, how it's being implemented is is where where the problem is and and. We're now starting to see, you know, the various cryptocurrencies. Um, there's there's moves afoot by people across the world to actually start putting more regulatory um, controls and all around that. And, and that's why I think you're starting to see a lot of people basically exiting the market because it comes back to that anonymity thing again. You can get things being used for unintended consequences. And I think, you know, NFTs um, in themselves uh, as a mechanism of protecting IP, absolutely great. Blockchain, absolutely great. But the crypto exchanges, you know, being used as Ponzi schemes, schemes, uh, absolutely terrible use of the technology. So yeah. it comes down to that: how how's how's the technology being used? Um, and you're finding the you know the some of the companies basically are um, you know, people when when you when you take money on, but uh, blockchain, unless you actually know the secrets, you can't get the money back, it's gone. And um, there's some nation states basically that are taking advantage of that. So um, I think you'll find you know, the West in particular is probably going to try and actually sort of uh, regulate that sort of to the point where it's no longer a big factor. Yeah, and, and of course just just in the last uh, you know, couple of days we've been hearing about um, you know, Russia uh, you know, putting a new law into into play that um, you know bans crypto payments for for goods and goods and services. So uh, yeah, the 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 world when it comes to uh, to crypto is is you know definitely still a, a fast moving um, space. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I th I think if you know if you're you know I'm just a big proponent for encouraging people to you know. Get a feel, get an understanding of these technologies. But of course, if you're actually going to put, you know, real money uh, in, then you want to really know what you're, uh, you know, what you're doing. But it, it is, uh, you know, I think it's really, um, you know, really useful to understand the new technologies that are coming through and, and gaining your own own understanding. Uh, but uh, yeah, when it comes to putting uh, large uh, chunks of, of money into uh, into these things, uh, yeah, you want to 
really under, understand that, know what you're putting at risk, and uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. you know, I, they say, um, you know, be be able to afford to to lose it. Absolutely. So, yeah. You you also raised around uh, this uh, Honda uh, security situation with uh, with Honda vehicles. Yeah. Now we over the years we've we you know we've often heard about issues with being able to uh, compromise vehicles in, in certain ways and and bust into them. Of course, as more time goes by, our vehicles are getting more and more you know, connected online. So, uh, yeah, in many many cases, if there's a if there's a vulnerability, uh, then that can be you know, addressed by some sort of a you know software update. Although not every vehicle is is fully geared up for that just yet. So run us through what's uh, what what's what's been happening with uh, yeah. with the Honda vehicles. Yeah, so a number of models of the Honda vehicles going all the way back to twenty twelve um, have found that you know with a five hundred dollar piece of hardware, people can actually sit around in a car park waiting for people to sort of you know open a vehicle, and then they're able to actually replay that and use it. Later, um, and, you know, rather than actually um, going to the next sort of unique code, um, I found a flaw in the way the software was built uh, that allows these attackers to then sort of uh, be able to get back into the into the Honda vehicles. And the, and the problem Honda's got here is they have to do a full recall of the vehicles and and take the fobs back into the dealerships and all those types of things. Um, it's a yeah, a huge it's a, problem. It's a very expensive game if if you've got to do that. And look, I, I mean, they're not the only one that's been hit with with issues. But when there's supposed to be a level of cryptography that you know effectively means that every yeah. time you press your remote, you know there's a there's something uh, unique that's uh, that's being being issued and so on. Um, yeah, when that's that's not the case, and someone can just play back exactly the same, you know, te- technique through a computer. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a pretty major fail. And yeah, if you can't just remotely sort of software update everything, then you you're kind of stuffed. And it certainly speaks to that benefit of being able to have your phone as the unlocking device for uh, for your vehicle, because then you can. You can update that security, you know, along the way to uh, to one degree or another. So, uh, you know, I know, um, you know, with with Tesla, of course, you that you know you, that's one of your, one of your key things is uh, you know, you've got that software interface between your phone and uh, and your vehicle, which is pretty handy. Lots worth carrying your uh, little uh, swipe card as as, as well a backup. <laughs> your, your phone's flat, or you know, yeah. so, something else happens there in terms of uh, yeah. in terms of coverage, but. Yeah. yeah, not a not a good situation for uh, for Honda Honda to be in, and uh, yeah. yeah, over the last decade or so, uh, they will have shipped out a lot of cars. So, correct. I, I don't know yeah. how you can you know how you even uh, address that in a manner that doesn't uh, yeah doesn't bankrupt your business. <laughs> yeah. cool. um, now moving on to uh, on to sneak, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, an update. Um, um, since you you know last on the show around you know what it is that uh, that sneaker are up to uh, and uh, and how yeah how things are going since you sort of stepped into uh, role here in New Zealand uh, yeah. because there wasn't a, a huge presence for sneak in New Zealand um, sort of before you started but uh, seems like there's been been a lot going on over the over the the past uh, how long is it now since you've been at sneak? Ooh, just over about six, seven months. Yeah, okay. um, yeah so yeah, really hit the ground prop- properly as at, in the beginning of the year, sort of uh, January uh, this year. Um, but you know, our our mission's really to, is to help cloud native uh, software teams, and and there's a lot of cloud native software teams in New Zealand. Um, about thirty nine thousand uh, developers who are building software out to disrupt the industry. Um, to, to, to take uh, New Zealand developed software to the world. Um, enterprises are using software, governments are using software, uh, software's eating the world, um, as it were. Um, you know, even the cars we use today are, are really APIs wrapped in uh, sheet metal. So you know, that, that, that's how pervasive software's becoming. Um, but the challenge are is that uh, developers, Kiwi developers, as well as you know, global developers, are actually building software 
just like Kiwi builders were building leaky houses um, a, a few years back. Um, and research that's just come out um, from, from Sneak and a lot of the, the Linux sort of um, industry sort of players like um, OpenSSF and the Linux Foundation are finding that 76% of organisations don't know what third-party software is in use in what they're building and because, whether it's safe, right? Because when you you know when you build software today, there's usually that that use of you know varying other bits of existing software, open source yeah. components, and so on. Right? That's how you that's how you yeah deliver uh, something that has the features and capabilities and so on you want without yep. having to build everything from scratch yourself. So Correct. yeah, monitoring that stuff's got to be uh, got to be quite uh, quite critical. Having the right uh, the right the right yeah. tool, so that's sort of where where Sneak uh, come yep. comes into the picture. Now, I was looking. You've got um, you've got a sort of a freemium type thing where um, is it smaller organisations can sort of you know jump in and get access to some of your pieces at a, yeah. at a nil cost, and then correct know, depending on what a, what an organisation needs, uh, yeah. they might need to front up with with larger chunks of money, and I guess yeah. um, you know relates to probably the value that they would get out of the software. Yeah, you know, like so small companies like sort of AuthSignal uh, would use our software for free um, if they've only got, you know, four or five developers and all those types of things. So, yeah, so they can actually look at all of the other software, uh, which is typically 90% um, or more of, uh, of the software that uh, organisations use. It comes from these third-party libraries. Yeah. Um, only about 10% um, developers write themselves these days. Um, yeah, so it's um, yeah the free model, and then we have um, you know for larger organisations who have you know, bigger um, uh, I suppose sort of assurance sort of requirements, sort of uh, regulatory requirements, sort of um, at that end basically is where you start paying basically for what we're doing. Um, but what we are really focused on is is the root of the problem basically is unfounded trust. So developers trust the code that they are writing. And they also trust this third-party code that they're bringing in, but they actually shouldn't. Uh, they need to actually look at, uh, is it trustworthy? And the code um, also trusts sort of authentication mechanisms. So companies like AuthSignal and the likes are actually starting to solve for some of that type of a problem. Um, and then, then cyber criminals are now starting to take advantage of, of all of this third-party code. So they're looking at um, old projects that have, you know, maybe the developers moved on to something new and they've taken, taken over it and they've uh, put some malware in there and, and next thing you know, basically, you've built something that's um, able to have all of your data basically sent to um, some other entity. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that stuff can can happen just in this, you know, somewhere I remember uh, uh, chatting, chatting to a friend in Australia. He uh, had he'd, he'd built a startup and a key piece of how they were promoting this was through Facebook. Now, whether he had forgotten, whether he was asleep at the wheel, however you want to put it, his Facebook account was tied back to an old domain name that he had registered in New Zealand. It expired. Yep. Somebody you know, figured out, joined up the dots. They, took, they registered this domain name, took over his Facebook, you know, Credit card, spending thousands of dollars a month in, in advertising, and uh, you know, um, you know, brought his operation to 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 oh, its oh. knees through this, you know, this hole. And um, but that was that was just you know that one business. But yeah, that sort of happens to an open source project. Someone takes over, you know, an an account and is able to control a project that might be used by Millions. a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, ten million, Correct. Uh, you know, um, other code bases, and you're relying on that. Then, uh, you know, that that is that is is really really extreme, isn't it? Yeah. So it's you know, governments, utilities. All sorts of companies all across New Zealand are getting caught out uh, by this type of a problem. Um, you know, six hundred and fifty percent more year-on-year year increases we're seeing in what's called software supply chain vulnerabilities. Um, so this is this is the problem that sort of it, it's starting to really explode. And unfortunately, you know that that the, the actors that are exploiting this are really sort of like. 
they're starting to head away now from um, the, the likes of phishing and uh, business email compromise where somebody takes over your email account uh, because the controls in that space are getting better. Um, you know, yeah, Apple's those just brought out. Are still yeah. happening, but they're, yeah. they're, they're harder. It's getting the, harder. The better right? people move along on that right. front. So yeah, Apple's yeah, got yeah, the lockdown yeah. mode, there's passwordless, there's two factor authentication. All of those things are making it a lot easier to, to actually protect yourself from the. Um, when somebody's targeting you as a human. Mm. Um, so they're starting to move now to actually attack the software supply chain. Um, and, and that's the part that yeah. Sneak really looks and at. And really important for New Zealand, for our economy, for you know us to be able to trust the New Zealand software vendors, our government, and so on. Correct. Uh, that that you know these things are really being looked after appropriately. So, oh, it's great, great to uh, great to see you. You know, um, getting that out into into New Zealand markets. So, thanks for uh, for for sharing that with us, Stephen. That's fantastic. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, great, to, great to have you uh, listening this week. Uh, of course, a big thank you to our show partners, uh, Cyclone and Aruba, Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Uh, yeah, great to have these companies standing behind the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, supporting the show, not only just the New Zealand Tech Podcast, but, you know, of course, this flows out. Uh, into supporting the the broader uh, you know tech and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. So um, definitely uh, you know companies that uh, that that we appreciate having uh, having in the space. Um, Stephen, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, probably Stephen Phillips on LinkedIn or any place where good developers can be seen at you know, DevOps summits, cloud native summits coming up. Um, wherever there's developers, you'll find us. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, you can, of course, catch us at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, if you've been watching the live stream, which we tend, tend to do uh, most Tuesday afternoons uh, through uh, LinkedIn Live, uh, Twitter, Facebook Live, and uh, YouTube, uh, if you've been watching uh, that way, you can, of course, just listen in uh, via a podcast app. And if you're listening in via the podcast app and you want to catch it a bit earlier, then, uh, you know, look out for uh, to follow us on, uh, you know, on one of those platforms. So you, you get the uh, uh, latest and greatest as it comes out of the horse's uh, mouth, as it were. Um, if I'm calling myself a horse, well, there you go. Um, hey, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you again next week. See ya. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.